This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 194. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how's it going, buddy? All right. Um, (laughs) Sorry, that's so anticlimactic. We're getting all pumped like, show 194, and how's it going? And then Eeyore shows up. All Mm, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, fine. Um, no, man, 194 episodes. I was just thinking, like, that's six away from 200. 200. 200. Yeah, right, not which bad. doesn't sound like a lot if you think we do these every day, which we don't. That's per week. That's four years almost of podcasting. We've been doing this for a very long time now, Mitch. Good job by us. What's going on with you, my friend? Mitch, I, I was trying to, I, you might have saw, but I was trying to keep it off camera to keep a surprise. No. So today is Cinco de Mayo, so we are celebrating with margaritas at the O'Leary house. So oh, I'm cheersing man, you. Man, that's so cool. All I've got is my dumb water. Stupid water. What have you done for me? So I'll be uh, sipping along on this podcast episode with a nice raspberry marg, courtesy of Mama O'Leary. I literally got home from work. I texted you at like 9 o'clock on the dot, which is usually when we start. So I'm like, hey, just got home. And Mama O'Leary is blending up margaritas. And it's like, oh, I figured you'd be home soon. Maybe you'd want one. I was like, I... I don't deserve you. You are the best. How is that? How is this woman possible? That's insane. It's Wednesday, and she's like, "Well, it's nine o'clock. Let's crush some ice, buddies." <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, she knew I was going to be home soon, and they had it uh, at dinner tonight. So they uh, made one an extra one for me, which I was very appreciative of. So, uh, yeah, excited to be here. It's going to be a fun show. Matt, we have breaking news. Whoa! This is an important. Public service announcement brought to you by Manscaped.com. This oh. is your pubic service announcement and the news you've all been waiting for. Huh. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, oh, which yeah. is now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, I, I'm just getting used to my 3.0, which I love. I'm getting stoked on this 4.0 that I have not seen just yet. But because you are a listener to our very special show, get 20% off and free shipping with code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code FANSIDED20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tool for your job with Manscaped. I cannot wait. I have one in the box that they sent me. I have not used it yet, though. But when it is time for the routine to happen... The 4.0 is making it. I might next week. I'll have a review for you. How about that? I'm stoked. I'm stoked for this review. I can't wait to get my hands on one. 
like I said, I've got the 3.0. Love it. I can only imagine what is different with the 4.0. I don't know how they included it. Maybe it plays music while we're going. Can't wait. <laughs> Whatever it is, I cannot wait to try it. But let's get into the episode, Mitch, because we have a lot to get to. And uh, this team is struggling. For the first segment, I just titled their struggles because right now the Islanders are going through it and they are pretty much losing to every team not named the New York Rangers, which uh, seems to be problematic because the Rangers are not going to be in the playoffs and the Islanders, well, are struggling against the three teams that they have the chance to play. Yeah, and like the problem here is that it's coming from nowhere, right? Like you can't say like, oh, Anders Lee went down with an injury. Now we suck. Right, like last year, Adam Pellick went down and we started being terrible. Makes sense. You could draw a line in the sand as to where we were good and where we were not. You can't make that line now. It's just not. So it's just coming out of nowhere as to why this team is playing so poorly. Barry Trott said the other day, like, it sounds like they need a break. Barry, if that's the case, they needed a break for about a month now. And that's a terrible sign. Yeah, <laughs> that's this is not good. It's like what running through the options. Okay. First thing we're going to do, Leo Komarov on the top line. Okay, that didn't work. <laughs> then let's try Travis Zajac on the top line. Okay, that didn't work. Let's put Leo back up there. Okay, that also didn't work. So plan D, fourth step, is to say we need a break. Matthew That's, out to the scratch pad. <laughs> That's what we came up with. That is the logic for right now. And uh, I'm going to be honest, don't know how that plan is going to pan out. I hope it does, man, but, like, there's a lot of worrying signs. So I said earlier that you can't draw that line in the sand, and and you can't. But I, I tried to do some, like, jigging around with some numbers here. So we know that Andrew Lee has not played since March 11th, right? That was the last game that he played for or played the Islanders, with the Islanders. So I said, all right, well, what happened in the month following? So from March 12th to April 11th, and from essentially the month afterwards, from April 12th up until March 5th. Like, the Islanders won't play until March 10th. So, or May 10th, sorry. If I said March, I meant May. So I said, okay, well, what have they done in terms of points percentage, Corsi, scoring chances, shots for, high danger, expected goals for, in both of those periods? Can we see if there's been, a, like, are, are they just bad to the eye test? Or are they bad on paper? And the results are scathing because they are really bad on paper in that second period of time. The first period, so the stats I'm, I'm going to read to you in order, points percentage, Corsi, shots, scoring chances, high danger, expected goals for. And they okay. rank 10th, 20th, 15th, 14th, 3rd, 5th in the NHL over that period of time. That's from March 12th to April 11th. Okay. Now you go from April 12th to May 5th, 20th, 25th, 24th, 28th, 21st. Just awful, 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 awful stuff. Uh, and then you, you look at their expected goals for in that first period, they were, like I said, fifth for expected goals for. They they were expected to score 29 goals. They scored 33. Good stuff. In the second portion, they were expected to score 16. They scored 15. Okay. So they're so under. Like, they're not doing well at all. And, like, it's hard to see where this thing is going wrong because every number, like, all the dials are, like, blinking at it. It's going like, oh, my God, we're all breaking. Yeah, they, they hit the panic button, but uh, we can't figure out what the source is right now or what the fix is to that issue, uh, which is scary because there's three regular season games left. And, like, that's the thing, right? So it seems that as of the trade deadline, and this is me drawing a relatively arbitrary line in the sand, which is what I was trying to do with this one month in, one month out thing. Once a trade deadline happened, 
they could not sort themselves out, which is the second time in a row, right? Technically speaking, yeah, they, they were much. poor before the 2020 trade deadline last year. Um, but like since then, since they acquired Kyle Palmieri, Travis Ajak, and Braden Coburn to a lesser extent, they oh, have well. not been the same team. No, and it's really shocking. The Palmieri and Zajac one is super shocking because both those guys were putting up decent numbers for the Devils. And I know the scoring wasn't necessarily there for Kyle Palmieri to the point where it normally was, but everyone figured, okay, going to a much better team, probably going to play on the top line with Matt Barzell. What a joke that's turned out to be. (laughs) And neither of those guys have done anything Palmieri has one goal as an Islander, and it came on the power play, what, two weeks ago now? Something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's crazy. Yeah, and then add two helpers from there and, like, secondary helpers that one of them we even forgot he was even on for. Right. Um, yeah, the, the impact has not been there for Travis, uh, sorry, for Kyle Palmieri, nor, nor has it been for Travis Zajac, to, to no. be fair. Uh, but the, the, well, from what we understood, the main acquisition was Kyle Palmieri. We're bringing him in to be a top six winger. He has not played in the top six at all, even though like Jordan Everly hasn't necessarily been any good, and they're using Josh Bailey on the on the right side. You got a righty playing lefty on the third line, guys. What are you doing here? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but with all the options that have been tried. For some reason, not getting Kyle Palmieri up top is the most bizarre one that hasn't been an option. Well, that's the thing, right? Because again, like we know we're not. Maybe I shouldn't say again, but like we know that Leo Komarov is not moving off that top line. Nor is, is Travis Zajac necessarily, right? So it, he's going to use he being Barry, one of those two guys in that position on the top line left wing. Okay, well, you have a righty who isn't really doing a whole lot in Jordan Everly. He's not mm-hmm. been terrible, but like he's not putting up the points either no so why not try kyle palmieri up there why not like he's been the one guy who's been rooted to a middle six role the entire time and it, you got to get this guy going why not play him on the top line with barzell i thought that was the whole reason he was traded for apparently not and like i get that like when the playoffs happen maybe something happens Maybe the flick of the switch happens and, like, he just figures it out or everyone around him figures out where he needs to be. But, like, as it stands now, this is looking like a really bad trade. Not because Kyle Palmieri is a bad player. It just seems the fit isn't working. And and that's a problem because Lou Lamorello keeps going to his guy saying, like, they have to be a fit because they fit for me before. Right, exactly. It's like back to the well of, oh, this worked for me in the past, so let's get it to go. And it wasn't like no one was critical of the trade at the time, and for a good reason. Like in The trade made sense. They just haven't done enough yet. And maybe, like you said, maybe it is just going to take the playoffs for the light switch to come on. I, I hope that's the case. I don't see what the difference is going to be, but maybe it is just because, what, their, their last game is Monday of next week? Monday in May 10th so in in five days from now so yes Monday of next week okay so maybe they have a couple of days before the playoffs start and that's their light switch moment it better be it better be so I would expect like a three-day break at least before the playoffs start that's usually what happens in a regular year Uh, maybe they get a little bit more because they kind of like give the players a bit of a break although I wouldn't imagine that because we're having to make up for all these games that have lost during the season um, it's going to be interesting to see 
how they bridge that gap. Like, we know that Barry Trotz is already starting to rest players, right? Like, he rested Barzal, Matt Martin, and Leo Komarov against Buffalo. We know from what he said that he's going to rest more players against New Jersey. Who those are will remain to be seen. But it looks like he's trying to, instead of take the punitive route, which, you know, could be still argued, uh, he's trying to say, like, all right, well, I'll, I'll give you a rest. How about that? I guess, and Barzal was the first... Or one of the first. It was him, Martin, and Komarov sat out. Uh, I don't think we were all that upset about Martin or Komarov taking a night, but Matt Barzell being out of the lineup was a little surprising. And then when the offense, well, not that the offense didn't do anything, but that they went to overtime and didn't have their overtime guy there, it was a little bit of a head scratcher. <laughs> they, they went to overtime against the Buffalo Sabres because they couldn't score enough goals against the Buffalo Sabres. Wild things. And they didn't have their top player out there. Unbelievable. Right, so uh, who do you think sits next? Any idea? I I don't know because I assume Brock Nelson. It's not that Brock has been bad. It's just Brock maybe hasn't been uh, as good as he can be. Jordan Eberle, like I just mentioned, mm. maybe not ha- has not been very good. Uh, Pajot got a, like a little bit of a break. Uh, Wallstrom also got one, so I wouldn't imagine he goes out. It wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense for Kyle Palmieri to go, but he is sporting two black eyes, so like maybe he can take a seat. He might need one. Yeah. Yeah. So I would imagine so those guys, I don't think it's going to be Peugeot, Bo, Bailey. I imagine they're there to stay. Yeah. I think maybe Eberle gets one. Um, and then I would think Zizekas and Clutter too, just because they play such a physical game. Yeah. It makes sense, right? Cause you need your third, their fourth line to play well and you need them at the peak of their performance. So like, if you don't have to get them running and, and, and you know, throwing their body around against the New Jersey Devils, why do you why would you do that? Exactly. So we'll see. But overall the the team is definitely struggling. In their last ten games, they are four, four, and two. <laughs> not terrible, but it's not good, right? Like they're not they're not moving up the standings because the teams ahead of them are doing much better. Yeah, you have Pittsburgh at seven and three, Washington at six, three and one, and Boston at seven, two and one. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. The three teams are chasing are, are playing incredible hockey right now. Uh, and so it seems that the Islanders are not going to be getting home ice advantage in the first, well, in the playoffs at all. No, there's uh, there's a strong chance of that happening. So with that, do you want to transition and start to look at the playoff picture a little bit? Yeah. Okay, so let's take a look at the playoff picture right now. As of recording this, the Pittsburgh Penguins are sitting in first place with 73 points, followed by Washington at 71 Boston is at 69, and the Islanders are in fourth at 68, so they trail Boston by one. Yeah, and they got Boston's got a game in hand. Washington's also got a game in hand, although they're playing tonight. And then the Islanders have a game in hand on Pittsburgh, although that's really not going to matter at all. No. Uh, completely inconsequential. So it really seems like the Islanders are down to playing either Pittsburgh or Washington. I would think so. Right, like it's possible that Boston leapfrogs Washington, but like... I believe that Washington is winning tonight against the Rangers uh, and that Boston is not playing. So, like, already that means that the Washington Capitals will be four points up on the on the Bruins. Yes. So they are winning 3-1 to one right now as we're recording this in late in the third period. So most likely they close that out, which would bump them up to 73, which means the Islanders are trailing Boston by one. And then to get up to second place would be, what, five? Yeah, it's not happening. No, it's not. 
uh, it's po- again, it's possible, right? Like, however slim, like they only have three games left, so six points up for grabs. They had to take five from those six. One of those games is against Boston, mind you. Um, that that could be that could change who we face up in the playoffs. But it really seems to be coming down to again Pittsburgh and Washington, which is a worrying sign if you're the Islanders and you look at the record because the Islanders aren't good against either of those teams this year. No, they've really struggled against both of those teams, and and. We figured that this is a very tough division. You know, everyone looked at this before the season. They looked at the East and they said, oh, yeah, that's going to be tough. And for good reason, because, you know, there, there's good teams in this division. And we're seeing that it's a close race right down to the end. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like if people thought that the Philadelphia Flyers would maybe win the division or, or come within the top two. A lot of people you look at the NHL.com. Was it NHL.com or was it? Uh, it was another another site. It was ESPN. Sorry. Most okay. of the writers, I think it was seven of them, had um, Philadelphia winning the East. They're not even going to factor into the playoffs. They're thirteen points, sorry, fifteen points out of a playoff spot right now. Yeah, that was that was a, a surprise. So like, and that that's supposed to be a good team, and they're fifteen points out. Right, and to be fair, most of us were on the the Pittsburgh falling off bandwagon, and they are in first again heating up like crazy i don't know what the hell happened in pittsburgh but like they figured something out um we have plus 35 goal differential insane stuff going on in pittsburgh right now uh but i I wanted to look at at their records and how they've played against each of these teams so against the penguins we know that their record they being the islanders record this year against the penguins is two four and two goals for 2.38 goals against 3.13 not good power play 35 percent effective against the penguins Nice. Okay, good. Our power play, right? Okay, sorry. And their PK is 75% effective against us. Okay. Sorry, no, that's our PK 75% effective. Against them. Against them. So lower than usual. Yeah, so our PK, not great against them. Power play, play, really good. Very good. Okay. Uh, But when it comes to the Washington Capitals, the Islanders are 2-5-1. Yuck. Uh, goals for 2.25 goals against 2.88 a little bit better there yeah power play percentage for us 21.1 pretty good decent penalty kill though 66.7 not good not good and that that's up right because it was 50 percent before our three game series against them that's right so, so they're like, letting in power neither play of these goals. teams fair the others don't fare well against either of these teams based off of regular season record no not based off the regular season I mean Again, this is going back to last year. The Islanders handled business against the Capitals pretty good, but different coach, one of their better players was out missing time. So it's it's different. And it seems like, for whatever reason, LaViolette has the Barry Trotz's number. He does, right? At 5-on-5 five five specifically, and that's a problem for the Islanders. As we can see, their power play is okay. They don't get a whole lot of opportunities against the Washington Capitals because no. they, being the Islanders, usually take most of the penalties, and that doesn't do well for them either. It's 66.7. Not good. I don't... Going into series against either of these teams worries me a bit. If I had to favor... If I had to say, like, I'd rather go against one of these two teams, I think right now it's the Pittsburgh Penguins, man. I agree with you. Um, I was thinking the same thing. I don't want any part of Washington. Um, just because... I feel like the Islanders have looked worse against Washington. I don't know if that's just recency bias, but I would rather take my chances with... Neither of these options are great. I want to make that clear. I was kind of hoping the Islanders would get Boston, but that's not likely to happen unless something crazy. <laughs> Even then, right? 7-2-1. and one. 
and like they're outscoring the opposition like 13 to 4 in their last like four games or something yeah they're, they're playing good right now and pretty much the top three in the east are playing really good and the islanders are limping to the finish line so you can't really spin zone anything unless it's that light switch thing we were talking about from earlier where it just so happens that playoff rolls around and then the islanders turn it on and get back to normal but based on what we've seen the last couple weeks not good no and that's the thing like like you said uh it's not that i say like oh god we should play the pittsburgh penguins because i think we could kill them i i don't think that i'm not comfortable in either of those picks but if i had to take one it would be the, the pittsburgh penguins uh just because we tend to play a little bit closer to them yes there's that 6-3 game at the end of march but we also had that 2-1 game just after that uh, and then we have, you know, the 4-1 loss, but we have a 3-2. We, we, we tend to go to shootouts in overtime against them, or it's a lot closer than it is far apart. So, like, our, our chances are better against the Penguins. Even though we, we don't have a good record, a lot of those losses aren't blowouts, let's say, as they are against the Washington Capitals, for example. Although we do have that 8-4 blowout against Washington this year. That is also true. Yeah, I think I'm with you on the on that take with uh, Pittsburgh, though, with the games being close, and that it's different. It's like five on five overtime, as in instead of the the three on three or the shootout. So maybe that's something that you can spin. Yeah, that's the thing, right? And like the Pittsburgh Penguins are, are playing very well right now, but they were playing very well right then, and we matched well enough against them. And like I said, our power play is great when it comes to them, and our power play is not terrible right now either. I know we didn't necessarily use it to our advantage the last time out, but it, it's doing pretty well in, in the relatively short sample that we have over the last like four or five games. Uh, our PK isn't great against Pittsburgh either, but when the hell has it been? And Pittsburgh hasn't been a good power play team through most of the year. So like we, sh- we can maybe tap into something here that wasn't there at some point of the year. I hope so. I really hope so because I don't want to, like, after this season, I don't want to just be like, oh, you played five games in the playoffs and that was that, you know? Yeah, that would be very deflating, right? Like, we make our, our stand and we were not stand, our push all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And now we're like, okay, year after year of progression, now it is not time to regress. And it seems that we're in at that stage where it's very possible that we might regress. It seems that way at the moment, again. There's three games left. Maybe it changes. Maybe they pick up some momentum. And and that's, a, I think, something that we haven't been talking about yet. We've been kind of on the doom and gloom side at the moment. But let's say they do re- play really well against the Devils, and then that carries over and they play really well against the Bruins. Maybe that is something you could build off going against the series in Pittsburgh because don't they have Washington coming up to close out their season? The Pittsburgh Penguins, you mean? Yeah, I'm... I can bring it up. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I think that's correct. Uh, I'm just bringing spot. it up now. So, no. They play Buffalo twice. Oh, never mind. They being Pittsburgh, that is. Um, so, yeah, no. The Pittsburgh Penguins do not play the Washington Capitals next. I believe mm, well. it's the Bruins. If I can type Bruins correctly, apparently I can't. I only want to type Bruins. I don't know why. Um, yeah, they the Washington Capitals – sorry, the the Boston Bruins have a game against us on the 10th and a game against Washington on the 11th. Okay. I don't know what I was thinking then. I was confused. It's fine. We all get confused at times. So playoff picture, uh, best case scenario three, probably, right? That's what I'm saying. What do you think? 
Yeah, best case scenario, we, we finish with a third seed and then we face the Washington Capitals in the first round. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Not looking forward to it, but like, it's not going to... Uh, well, the word I'm looking for is escaping me because I don't want to sound alarmist and I don't want to be all negative because like, yes, the Washington Capitals had our number recently, but like we also had their number in the playoffs and this is very much the same Washington Capitals team and it seems that Ovi isn't okay. I imagine he's probably back for the playoffs, but there seems to be a chance that he might not be and that's a huge advantage for us or should be because it hasn't been whenever he's been out, but it should be on paper an advantage for us. Yeah, you would you would think so, but you would think so. But whatever, what's that guy? Oh, the guy, the guy they plug up top who scored a million goals. Oh, um, oh, Daniel Sprong. Sprong, yes, yes, yes. yes I don't yes. know why I couldn't think of his name. <laughs> I, think I, I had the pong in my head. I had the initials. I couldn't come up with what it was though. <laughs> I had a D, the letter D and S was flashing in my brain, and I just couldn't think Daniel Sprong. Yeah, whatever. Just he's he's doing well, so good job by him. Do you want to get to down on the farm? We have some uh, news to get into this week. Yes. So I spoke to Robin Sallow just this morning, 9 a.m. local time, and uh, my man sounds pretty chill. Okay. Not He's freaking excited? out, just doing things calm. Okay. So did he give you the answer we were looking for? No. Yes and no. Um, He's not on his way yet. And it's not that he doesn't want to come just yet. It's that there's all kinds of paperwork stuff. We saw this with Anatoly Golishev. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't seem like there's any rush to get him over, like, ASAP, right? Like, Lou's not on the phone calling, like, I don't know, Homeland Security or whatever it is over in the <laughs> States to kind of, like, fast fast track this paperwork. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think Lou has that kind of power. He has, he's got power, but I don't know if it's that kind of power. <laughs> I don't think he's got... You know, pressuring them through COVID situations to get Robin Salo a visa power. No, 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 no. And it's not like they, they're they not going to call him over to play him anyway. They'd play Braden Coburn before playing Robin Salo. Yeah, Robin Salo is not going to see the ice for the New York Islanders even if he comes over this, even if he comes over this year, which he's he's not. I, I don't expect him to be here for probably a month. Well, let's say another three three weeks before he lands in the U.S., maybe. That's probably a fair guess based on how everything's been going right now. I think exactly. That's fair. I I don't, and even then, like they might still be in the playoffs by then. But he's not going to do anything. He'll be practicing with like taxi squad, if anything. Um, but the, the guy's got to get situated first, right? Like he he he'll be moving over here. He's got a two year contract. Well, one year after this, uh, he's got to situate himself first before anything else. No, no doubt. So, okay. I'm glad that he is doing well and not worked up about it at all. He's kind of just chilling. Which is the one thing that he told me was one of his character traits, right? He he needs to be relaxed to be at his best. He can't be stressed because when he's stressed, he's not at his best. Sounds like me. I don't like to be stressed either. I I I couldn't imagine anyone who's stressed. But maybe there's people who work better under stress. Um, he, He is not one of them. I mean, so, I fold like a house of cards. <laughs> um, yeah, so he's not coming over just yet. So if anyone's thinking like, oh, my God, and when is he getting here? It's not anytime soon. It's not going to be for a while. Uh, and he, if anything, I would imagine he starts in the AHL. The one thing that came out in our conversation is that he would have probably been over sooner 
had the AHL season still been going on, but because it is not, there's no real reason to get him over here. Yeah, that makes sense. So, like, he didn't say those words, but it was kind of implied in our conversation. Um, But, like, he's not really, again, stressed to be heading on, uh, getting onto a plane anytime soon. Okay. All right. That's good. Which is fine. Um, but uh, if you want more notes on our conversation, head over to eyesonisles.com. I typed up about as much as I wanted to uh, to put out there. We talked a little bit more about stuff. Like, he's he's good buddies with Otto Koivula, and so he's going to help him kind of acclimate himself to North American lifestyle, if that will, which oh, cool. really isn't that big of a stretch from Sweden. Yeah, I, I don't really... It's not that big of a difference, I wouldn't think. No, and, like, his English is really good, so... Okay. Yeah, he's not going to struggle at all. Sweet. That's good. Um, the other prospect I want to get to is Ruslan Ishkakov, who's the only prospect currently in action right now for the New York Islanders because okay. his team is headed to the finals of the SM Liga. Ooh, there we go. Uh, my man's team didn't sweep, but won out their best of five series 3-1 against HIFK, which is Otakuevla's former team. Uh, and he had four points in that final series. Four across four games impressive so he he came ready to play he came ready to play he's got six points in nine games helped his team big to move on to the next round uh good two-way center for them like he's not the biggest guy but he plays hard and he plays tough Uh, again he's really not big at all um but man the, the guy full of talent full of promise i i would be very surprised if he does not make the move to north america next year that I would like to. See. I want to see him at the AHL level get some reps. That that's just it, right? Like he's done well at the NCAA level. He's done well at the legal level now, which is a, a, quite a step up from playing for UConn, uh, playing against men in a men's professional league. I, it, the talent is there, man. It, it really is there. And, and now just think about some of that talent coming to Bridgeport next year. Uh, you've got Ishikov, you've got Salo, and you've got Adams. All for sure going to to Bridgeport next season. Hopefully, uh, that team finishes a little bit better than what they have the past two years. Well, like that's the thing. Bright spots for for um, and kind of changing topic here. Bright spots for Bridgeport. They ended the year on an absolute run, going five one and one. Brad Thompson stays for another year. Lock him in for a decade. For sure. It but it really seemed like he tapped into something there. Playing guys like Zerando, Koivula. Like it seemed like playing his talented youth turned it into wins what a shocking discovery so <laughs> maybe riding mason yopes than those guys wasn't the the moves it clearly did not work because the second he moved guys like yopes greer who went out to to new jersey in the trade and then brett newman left uh, or was moved as was uh there's another playing that i'm forgetting either way doesn't matter once he vacated those four roles and bumped up some of those young kids win after win after win so, like, it's clear if you play your talent in the positions that best suits their skills, you're probably better off. Uh, you, you have better chance of winning games. Makes sense. <laughs> right. It seems like a wild concept, but, like, he finally figured that part out, it seems, with, with the current crop of players. I don't want to say, like, Brent Thompson doesn't know how, like, that talent needs to be played. It just it kind of seems like he saw what he needed to see from those players to put him in those positions. There we go. Like that, finally. And then the last thing I wanted to bring up on prospects is I kind of talked about the idea that, well, not the idea, but the fact that only one prospect is still playing. 
which means that everyone else's season is done. So okay. with that, I thought, all right, well, I, I track how they do throughout the year, and I rank them based off of their production. Who's the highest riser this year? Who's gone from, like, real low to top of the pops for the Islanders? And the three guys that I picked out are Oliver Wallstrom, Samuel Balduc, and Alex Jeffries. Now, okay. one and two might not sound surprising. The fact that Oliver Wallstrom is, well, one might be surprising. Like, what do you mean Oliver Wallstrom rose so high? Well, when you look at his point production, it's not very good at either the NCAA level or AHL level before this year, before 2019, right. 2020. He just wasn't putting up points at a very high rate. Now at the NHL level, and he's putting up points at a pretty decent clip, boom, that starts going up, man. It does. And that's like what we wanted all along is for him to get in a role where he could do that. Exactly. Now he's finally in it. It's flourishing. It's working. Samuel Bajic is another one. Like his stock was already pretty high, at least with the eye test. But because he's playing at the QMJHL level, like nothing, it, it, that's a pretty low standard compared to other leagues. Um, it wasn't pushing him up the standings. Well, now that he's at the AHL level and putting up points, he went up like a like a wow, my skyscraper. He's what I think fourth in my rankings now. But before the year, he was like in the low teens. Wow, that is a big rise. Good for right. him. Like leapfrogged a ton of people, and then you have Alex Jeffries, who had no rank last year because we just drafted in this year, and he came out with a huge freshman year, putting up. 10 points in 12 games again as a freshman but he's also passing the eye test he's playing important minutes in the top six for Merrimack he's playing in the power play penalty kill and again he's a true freshman first year university first year uh, university hockey they, they usually guys like that at that level don't play the minutes that he was playing and he's doing that and putting up points very impressive it is impressive that is, we like to see that, especially from a, a later round guy too. Yeah, fourth round pick turning things around already. Okay, well, there's there's something he's going to be there for another couple of years for sure. But like that, that's something to look at. And he was already a factor in the Hobie Baker. He was in no way, shape, going to win it, but he was one of the fifty named. So already one of the fifty players standing out from the whole crop of NCAA prospects or players. That's big. Good. So that's the last I wanted to bring up on Down on the Farm because there's not a whole else lot going on here. Wow, I'm surprised. Nothing on the cryptic message from the Sound Tigers? I, w- I want to get to that later. Okay, fair. If, you so, did, if you're not already going to bring it up, but like, spoiler, that'll no, come up a little bit later. Nope, nope. I'm going a different direction for my social. Beauty. Okay, do you want so, to transition to the next fun part? Trivia time. So I had I wanted to go in a different direction a little bit today. It, it's still going to be a quiz. Uh, okay. But I, I wanted to end with the last part um, as more. You'll you'll find out who it is by by four questions. And then I, I'm going to ask you a fifth question. And I want you to get all the anyways. You'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. So okay. just bear with me one second while I get my my questions up. Because apparently I didn't have it up. Okay. As we do with every episode of the Eyes on Isles podcast, I have a mystery New York Islander for you, Matt, to guess. We are episode 194. So it has something to do with that. You have, like I said, four clues this week to guess who he is. Are you ready? Let's do it. Clue number one. I was a fifth overall pick 18 years ago. 18 years ago. Uh, Now you're going to make me do math? 
Well, you don't have to. You can just skip to the next one. Next. Two. I played for six different NHL teams. Andrew Ladd? Incorrect. Three. I had a .94, and that's where the 9-4 comes in, points per game with the Isles. Vanek? Correct. It is Thomas Vanek. My fourth one was I hated the idea of going to Brooklyn. Okay. Would have gotten it there, too. So, the little wrinkle I'm adding here is, can you name all six teams he played for? Okay. Buffalo? Yes. Islanders? Correct. Wild? Yes. Montreal? Are the Kings in there? Sorry, I think I missed a team. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's eight teams. My oh, bad. Oh, jeez. I got through half and it hit a wall. <laughs> okay, so Sabres, Islanders, Mace. Canadians, Mace. Wild. You Wild. already got those. Okay, I got that. Red Wings. Should have known that. Panthers. Should have also known that. Canucks. Forgot that. Blue Jackets. Also forgot that. <laughs> I I forgot the, the Panthers and Canucks. When I saw the list, I was like, I can't get these. I, I'm sure Matt can't either, so it's going to be fun to see which one he remembers. Yes, and hopefully the listener at home did a better job than I did, and they named all of them. Yeah, they probably said, like, what, six? He was eight. They immediately corrected me, probably. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Love that. That was a good one, Mitch. I like that. That was fun. Good. Extra little wrinkle. It was hard to find someone with 194 or something, but we are where we are. Do you want to get into the social stuff now? Yeah, I think there's a few things we're going to have to go over today. Okay. What do you got? Okay, well, first one, I guess I'll bring up, I I teased it earlier. This is going to be my last one. I'll bring it up first. The Sound Tigers had a bunch of stuff going on over the last couple of days. Um, If you didn't see, they ended the year, and then graphics on their end of the year, like stats page, the website itself, all the pictures looked weird. Some of the the font or the names for the the drop-down menus were all, like, random characters, which had people like, what the hell is going on with the site, guys? What is happening? Even Alan Furring's like, guys, I I have no idea what's going on. There's some glitches going on, which got people to looking at some of the pictures. And when you look at the pictures itself, like, because they they were announcing, like, they're going through some glitchy stuff. When you look at it, the, the, the background, you can see stuff like Bridgeport underscore Islanders. .exe. And then mm. today they released this video, which is just the logo and it said reboot, refresh, and then it just kind of crashes and there's a bunch of like random frames going around. It crashes and it does like the boop, like, you know, dropped heartbeat or something like that. And then it just ends. And you're like, Cryptic. what the hell is going on? We had Cole Healy go through the video and kind of reverse it. And if you freeze the frame at like two seconds, you will see the Bridgeport Sound Tiger logo break up and there's a B with a hockey stick and looks like a three, the other portion of the B, and then Islanders around the crest of it. So Bridgeport Islanders is coming soon. It seems like they were going to be called the Bridgeport Islanders. So they're staying in Bridgeport, it seems based off of this, and that they will be called the Islanders and not the Sound Tigers. I I have a take. Oh, boy. What is it going to be? I they're not to... actually on an island. No, 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 no. no okay, no. that's not my take. Is that um, they will only be staying in Bridgeport for one more year and then move to the Nassau Coliseum after that? That makes a ton of sense. Absolutely. And then they'll be the Long Island Islanders. 
that'd be huge or the nassau islanders or something like that yeah oh yeah that'd be cool. um that'd be super cool i'd be super down with that uh it makes uh, a lot of sense i i believe they only have a year left on the lease for the the building that they play at currently which i i forgot the name already um but yeah it seems that they're staying in bridgeport and then they will make the move to the coliseum which needs a tenant after the islanders leave uh so it makes sense and we've seen that age uh, NHL teams want their AHL teams as close as possible. It just makes sense that they could play in their backyard, right? Exactly. And they have Long the Long Island Nets there, and uh, the I think the Lizards play there. The lacrosse team, maybe. Yes. And then uh, concerts, obviously. So it, it just it's another revenue stream, and you've already got the direct connection. The fan base is already there. Why not? I would love either Long Island or Nassau Islanders merch. That'd be awesome. I'd be super down with that. It would suck for the town of Bridgeport that has been supporting them for 20 years now. Uh, but, like, that that's just how it goes. Do you think the people in Bridgeport, Connecticut are Islander fans? Or are they probably more closer to Boston area? Either way, like, you got a hockey team playing right there, and then you're going to lose guess. that hockey team. So, I guess. You're right. Like, if, if the Ottawa 67s left when the Ottawa Senators weren't here, I'd be pretty bummed. Yeah, that makes okay. That makes sense. So, but big news. They're doing a great rollout over there with their social team. So, good job by the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, soon to be the Bridgeport Islanders, we think. My first one is why is the NHL so stupid? <laughs> I don't so, know. You're going to have to narrow have, that down for me, please. Yeah, we got to talk about it. So it's not really one thing on social, but just the co- topic of conversation on social media from the last few days. So the other night, uh, Rangers versus Capitals, Tom Wilson punches Pavel Bushnevich in the head multiple times, and then Artemi Panarin tries to pull him off and say, please don't do that to my teammate. And then he takes Artemi Benarin by the hair and slams him down face first onto the ice. Twice. Twice. Yes, twice. Two times. And he got fined $5,000, which is the maximum, but he's making $4.1 million this year. So that's like 0.12% of his salary on the year. And it's the same amount that Henrik Lundqvist got fined when he squirted water at uh, Sidney Crosby a few years ago. Yeah. And keep in mind that $5,000 was just for his actions against Buknevich and not for anything he did to Artemi Panarin, who is no longer playing for the season. Yeah, he's done for the year. So think think about that for a second. It's really dumb. And then today they had a return leg in New York. And I shouldn't say a return leg, but the second game of a two-game series and sure enough, <clears throat> opening face-off, line brawl. There are six fights, I believe, in the opening four minutes and 14 seconds of the game. This is what happens when the NHL doesn't do enough because then they, the players feel like they have to police themselves. And then that's the thing. Like, what, what, really, what really happened? Did anyone police anything out of anyone? Is Tom Wilson going to be like, well, I guess I better not do that again? No. Clearly not. No, none of this was de-incentivizing. None of this was actually policing or anything. You had to pay the price. He paid it once. That line brawl. What the hell does that do? You have six guys, or sorry, ten guys out there fighting, and some of them didn't fight. They they weren't involved in the play. They are not Tom Wilson. He was sitting on the bench. What did that prove? Nothing. Oh, they stood for the code. Well, Tom Wilson didn't stand for that code at all. No. There should have been a suspension. 
if not worse. There should have been at least for this game, and then you don't have him playing. But like there should there should have been a suspension for what he did to Panarin. And I had some Cavs fans come into my mentions, and be like, "What oh, are you yeah. going to suspend him for? Roughing? That's what he got fined for. Why not suspend him?" It doesn't. I would. It doesn't make sense, man. No, it, it doesn't. So just wanted to get that out there briefly. And uh, well, what, what else you got? Anything else on that? A little bit more on that here. It's it's from Bobby Litra saying Rangers and Isles fans coming together to hate Tom Wilson tonight is giving off these kind of vibes and it's a gif of the office and it's Dwight Schrute talking to Jim saying um, what does he say I'm trying to find the gif uh, it might be a good idea if you and I formed an alliance <laughs> yes yes uh, there was also a good one of a, a guy holding a blue bandana and another guy holding a red bandana touching together and uh, that, that also made me giggle that was good so like I don't know, man. The NHL really dropped the ball here, but like that's not the first time that they dropped the ball specifically with Tom Wilson. And, and there's a, a whole lot happening here. I hope that the the bare minimum that we learn out of this is that, yes, these scrums happen often, and there's a lot of shenanigans that go on in these scrums, but we shouldn't be normalizing that behavior. It should be de-incentivized, right? Like maybe maybe Tom Wilson isn't the best example. Or Sorry, I shouldn't say that. Maybe it's not just because of Tom Wilson that we should be thinking of this. Players like Lars Eller, who then said, like, well, this is normal, should be saying, like, yeah, this is normal, and yeah, this sucks. It shouldn't be normal. We shouldn't be getting punched in the head normally during scrums. We shouldn't have this kind of behavior in scrums. Maybe if the NHL came down and did something about it, you wouldn't have this kind of normalized behavior, Lars Eller. Come on now. That's a very good point, Mitch. I just can't believe there's not one NHL player coming out and saying that. But you have, like, the Matt Cooks and the Scott's, uh, not Scott Stevens, John Scott's coming out and saying, like, that was, you know, poor form by by um, by Tom Wilson. But not one NHL are coming out like, no, we shouldn't have this kind of behavior in scrums. Yes, this is normal. And no, we shouldn't normalize it. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's bad. It's a bad look for the NHL. It is. Um, what else do you got? So my last one is... A question, a question I'm posing to you. Did the New York Islanders cause the Rangers to fire their general manager and president? Apparently so, yes. <laughs> that's wild to me. Right? So I, I was going to go into the same thing okay, and bring up the then. same quote, so I'm glad you did it. Right? So like Larry Brooks writes in New York Post, the recent mismatches against the Islanders highlighted the team's deficiencies in grit and leadership and may have accelerated, if not prompted, this stunning decision. That's <laughs> wild. That's insane. It's absolute manna from heaven. And like, like he's not the only one who says that. Rick uh, Carpinello, Carpinello, oh my God, I almost butchered that one. I'm really sorry. Kind of said the same thing in his piece for The Athletic today. Uh, I'm just trying to find the exact passage. There it is. Apparently, the twin losses by shutout to the Islanders last weekend were the final straw for Davidson and Gordon, topped off by the mathematical elimination during the third period of Monday's game. So that's not just Larry Brooks saying it. Now we got uh, now we got Rick saying it as well. The same thing. The Islanders were the the final straw in in the death coffin that was uh, John Davidson and, and Jeff Gordon. Taking a step back for a second from the Islanders' lens and just looking at an unbiased view, could not disagree more with this decision for the Rangers. It seemed like they actually had something turning around, and then Dolan pulled the plug on it. Like, I don't I don't understand. I've seen people tell me that, like, they lost the Truba trade, and it certainly looks like it, for sure, when you see, like, Pionk putting up points and Truba not. 
Um, but I, I would argue that like, okay, well, maybe they, they got a better player. They certainly did. Maybe they didn't get the better fit per se, but they can make him fit. They can make it yep. fit. They can make the pieces work. But then you also add the first overall. You add a second overall from two years ago. Yes, they're not playing well. But is that on Jeff Gordon's fault that they're not playing well? Probably, but probably because the he's the one who hired the coach. Yeah, it's a coach. It, it really seems like it's a coaching issue at this point. Yes, they're not a, a rough and tough hockey team, but I think those days are starting to go by. Like, you can't necessarily just get by on running out Ross Johnson, Matt Martin, Leo Komarov in the same lineup every night. No, I don't think so. So, like, yeah, I don't think that this is going to bode well for them. I hope it doesn't, right? Like, this is great. Like, the Rangers were all the, on the ascendancy, and then James Dolan came in and said, like, no, no, we can't have any of that. And then back to the bottom. <laughs> Please, God, thank you. Um, but I, this seems like a really dumb idea. It does. And this is what's happening at MSG. Rangers down, Knicks up. The the it's They did the little swap. <laughs> right. Which I'm sure Knicks fans are like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't care. Do whatever you can to, to like, whatever you're going to do to completely lemmings the New York Rangers, if that means that the Knicks can finally be good. <laughs> Amazing. So before we go, let's get some plugs in here. So wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to give us subscribe rating review. That really helps us out a lot, and we appreciate all the love and support. You could also follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary and Y. Mitch is over at TLO Mitch. Facebook, Facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could also download the fan sided app and get Eyes on Isles there or visit the website eyesonisles.com for your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, episode number 194 in the books. Next week, we'll probably know who we're playing in the playoffs. Oh boy, I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm so nervous. Absolutely. That's going to do it for us on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He is Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.